You are listening to Zeal Fear House. I am your host, David Murray, and I'm joined with Dorothy Carruthers. Her focus here is on our relationship with our Heavenly Dad and all aspects of His kingdom, moving in greater intimacy with Him. Additional teachings, books, and articles may be found on my website at www.dwmurray.com. That's dwmurry.com. Again, thanks for joining us, and let's get rolling with this week's broadcast. Well, good evening. Uh, this is a Blog Talk Radio, uh, Zeal for Your House. I'm joined with Dorothy Carruthers. My name is David Murray, and I am joined. Uh, I am privileged and honored to say that a good friend of mine and brother in the Lord, Anthony Tijernia. Did I say, Anthony, did I get that right that time? I trip over it every time. It doesn't matter how long I try Tijerina. to say it. Tijernia. Darn it, I'll get it one there of these days, Anthony. <laughs> Tijernia <laughs> uh, is, is with us, and uh, we're going to be discussing, really, I'm going to be listening along with you guys as uh, Anthony walks us through um, some realms of the kingdom and what it means to be a new creation in Christ and how that translates into accessing the things that are in our Father's heart and walking in, uh, in his nature. So, Anthony, uh, uh, why don't you go right ahead and, and take it away? This isn't the first time you've been on here before, uh, but for our new listeners, if there's anything you want to share and, and go over, and we'll get right into this. All right, sounds good. Um, basically, God's been putting, on this, putting this on my heart for the last, ooh, um, three months, four months at least. And as I've been digging this out, God's has just been just confirming it, not just with signs and wonders. We're seeing on a regular basis, a hundred percent of people we lay hands on God touching and seeing them healed. And so it's been phenomenal. So the topic awesome. is actually a new nature um, that creates a new create a, a new creation. And I I stumbled onto this because I was I was going back over Acts one eight, right? And in Acts one eight it says, "You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth." And a lot of times we just kind of look at power. Yes, we receive power. It's all about power, and and we we easily bypass that it's about the Holy Spirit coming upon us and empowers a byproduct instead of the focus. It, if we, Even if we broke it down grammatically, we'd see the focus is on the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit makes us witnesses of him. And we can see that in Galatians with the fruit of the Spirit and, and other things. But it caused me to go back and look up how many different Greek words are there for the word power in English today. And I found that there's actually five words. And the first one is exousia. You're probably familiar with that one because it means, um, or translated often as authority. It means right to rule. So you can see where they get authority from, right? And the second one is dunamis, and I'll come back to that one in a second. And the third one is called energia. So it's, it's raw energy, power, electricity, right? And then you have the fourth one, which is iskus, which means a power to overcome. 
an overcoming power, right? And then the fifth one is Kratos. And Kratos means the power of dominion. Now, you see that it's interesting that neither Exousia or Kratos are used in first in Acts 1-8, but it's the word dunamis. So when you actually go back and you, if you study out deep into what dunamis actually means and why it's constantly translated as miraculous ability, you see that what it actually means is it's an inherent power by virtue of a person's nature or a thing's nature. So when I was talking to God about this, I was like, God, you're going to have to draw this in crayon for me because I'm not quite sure I'm tracking what you're saying. <laughs> you know? been, I've I don't been know there many times. Moments. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Catalog them. <laughs> yeah. And so he, he took me to First John 1, 5, and it says, this has been our testimony from the beginning, that God is light and in him dwells no darkness. And so I started thinking about that. And he goes, and he was telling me, what's the nature of light? What does it do? So he gave me the analogy of the sun, right? So the sun comes up. Does it have to exercise dominion and authority and strive to make it happen? Or does it just happen naturally? Does it naturally overcome darkness? If you, if you go to your house and you flip on a switch, you know, for the light to come on, when it comes on, does it, does it have to strive and, and work and, and do its best to push back darkness? And the answer simply is no, because it's being true to its nature. So the power of light over darkness is in the very nature of the light, right? And we can see this clearly with, with everything. So it's not just with light, it's also with righteousness, Unrighteousness can't dwell in the presence of righteousness, right? The same also with healing. So sickness cannot dwell in the presence of the healer. And so, uh, Anthony, let me ask you a question right there. It sounds like what you're saying is, okay. or understanding it right, that the, in the same way that when we turn on a light switch or we watch the sunrise, there is no, there's no um, work involved. There's no labor. It just it's it's being true to its nature. That the same in the same way as you use those analogies, that us being made the righteousness of Christ means there is no exertion to drive out sickness, to drive out unrighteousness. Hey. It's a byproduct of who we've become. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm getting at. Because uh, if we if we really look at this, it's not by our own works that we're righteous. And it, yes, it does say that we're supposed to we're ordained, preordained to walk in in good works, but they're not our works; they're His works. By promise. And so He only He can yeah only He can accomplish them. Right. And so that's why Galatians two twenty starts making sense. It's no longer I that live, right? It says, I've been crucified with Christ, but yet I live. But it's it's not I that's, that's a live, but it's Christ in me, is basically what it's saying. I'm paraphrasing here. So that you can, you can begin to understand the mindset that Paul had is that it's effortless on my part because it's not me striving 
and working to make somebody healed and whole. It's the very nature of the Spirit of God who now resides within us. If you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, he resides within you. It says that he's a seal, right? He seals you into sonship. It says that um, he's our come alongside and, and help, our paraclete, right? It says uh, tons of things about the Holy Spirit and his and who he is to us, but he, we're also his temple, right? We can see that in First Corinthians. And so as we begin to understand that when he comes and he resides in us, he brings the very nature of God because it's the spirit of God, right? So the whole core of the nature of God comes with his spirit. So we can see um, basically in Luke, it says, in Luke 24, it basically, it, it's quoted for, um, in essence, what it says is that, you know, wait till the spirit of promise, the father, the promise of the Father comes, a great promise, right? And if we go to Second Peter 1, 4, and we see, it says, by which he, referring to God, has granted to us his precious and very great promises so who's one of those great promises? It's the Holy Spirit. So that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from this, the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So you see, when the Holy Spirit comes and he lives inside you, he begins changing you from the inside out. Right? And as that happens... It allows you to grow up into the fullness of his nature, which we see the what's the fivefold supposed to help with in Ephesians four, eleven and twelve. Okay? And that's a whole nother topic. But when you begin to understand the importance of the Holy Spirit and his his role in your life, it's because he brings the very nature of God. How do we know that? Because if we go to Galatians, right, and we look at the fruit of the Spirit we can see very simply that there's no law against the fruit of the Spirit. Right? Can you, Anthony, can you, can you explain that a little bit more? What does that mean there's no law against the fruit of the Spirit? Can you, can you articulate that a little bit? So basically what you find that, that God, he can't, because of it's his own nature, um, he can't establish a law that goes against his own nature. Right? So if we actually look at the law, the law is to try to get people to recognize, okay, because it says that the law is our, our schoolmaster. The law identifies sin. Right? So the law, talking about from, you know, the Old Testament, and there's several laws in the Old Testament, so we're not going to go there. We're just going to talk about the main law. Everybody knows is sacrificing animals and all that stuff, um, was to identify sin. So it's saying, hey, to be righteous, this is how you walk. This is what you do. This is These are the do's and the don'ts, right? And so the law helps us, enables us to, to recognize what is sin and what is not, and that we are in need of a Savior, right? But when we go to Galatians 5, and we look at verse 23, and this is the very end of, you know, the list, 
of the fruit of the spirit and it says gentleness self-control against their against such their against such things there is no law and so he couldn't that's what i'm saying he couldn't establish a law that goes against his very nature so when we look at the fruit of the spirit it's saying hey this is this is what it looks like to have the spirit of god alive and active in your life you will walk in unconditional love You'll have joy, you'll have peace, you'll be patient, you'll exercise kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, right? So he's giving a list here of what the fruit of the Spirit actually looks like. So when people talk about bearing fruit, I think this plays a key role into it because if you're walking in the fruit of the Spirit, you're going to attract other people who are walking in the Spirit. Right, or you're going to help people grow up to walk into the walk in the spirit, and so just kind of going back to the original topic. So as God's bringing all this out to me, and He's showing me these these different aspects of of His nature and how it it applies to our lives. It's not something theoretical. This is very practical. It's it's very simple. That when we look at the very spirit of God and his role in our hearts and our lives. It's, it's, he's even called the spirit of Christ. Okay. And we can see that the full nature of God was in Jesus in Hebrews one, three, it says that, um, well, let's just go there real quick. Hebrews one, three says he is the radiance of the glory of God in the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the power of his word. So here you can see that the very nature of God, Jesus was the exact imprint of. So everything Jesus did was out of the very nature of God. So you see the power and and the dominion and the authority, they're all a byproduct of his nature. They all flow from his nature. And so where we've gone wrong in the church is we start hyper-focusing on power. We start hyper-focusing on authority and on dominion, and we miss him completely. And, and what scares me the most, David, honestly, mm. is Matthew seven twenty one and 22. Because here are all these people who are walking in power yeah. who did not know Jesus. Yeah. And so... As God's been revealing this to me, he's been showing me, people don't know me. Yeah. You know? Anthony, and, I'm going to... And if, it's... If it's I can, oh, I'm sorry, Anthony. Go ahead. Uh, I'll wait. I'll wait. I'll go up. No, we'll come back to you. Go ahead. Finish your thought, and uh, I'll, I'll come back to it. That's okay. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, there's so much here, in, and I'm really just starting to dive into this. And, and I'm not saying that... Um, that people aren't saved or anything like that. I mean, what I'm saying is that when the Spirit of God comes in, in into us to dwell in us, it's He's cooking us back up to the source of life, and that's Jesus. That's God, right? And it's for communion. It's for relationship. And if we're going to God to get something from Him, that's not much of a friendship. That's not much of a relationship. But when you begin to to realize by hanging around God and being with Him and being in His Word, because you understand, there's there's a whole other school of thought out there, and and that's something that 
you know, my discussions with you, David, that you've identified is, is simply that people either take one side or the other. They take, yeah. well, I'm led by his spirit, so I don't need his word, and they end up in mysticism. Or they say, well, I have his word, I don't need God anymore, and they, they end up in legalism. Yeah. Right. Instead of understanding that his word is an extension of himself, because if you couldn't trust his word, it means you couldn't trust him. If you can't trust him, you can't trust his word. Right. But you can see the establishment of what God is doing when he's he's having men write out his word by the unction, by by the impression of the Holy Spirit to say, I'm not a man that I should lie. Right? So he's establishing his very nature, saying, I am a promise keeper. The devil is a promise breaker. And so you begin to realize everything that God was teaching in the Old Testament still applies today in the fact that he was trying to get them to understand his very nature. And he began to expose, <clears throat> excuse me, characteristics of his nature. <clears throat> Excuse me. To to bring people to the understanding of look, I am a good God. Because when you look at Jesus, Jesus didn't teach healing. He didn't teach prophecy that we know of, right? right? But going by what is written, what we have, he didn't teach any of that. But what did he teach? He taught the nature of God is good. Go back and think about it. Right? The parable of the, the stone and the serpent. It says, if you ask God for, for bread, is he going to give you a stone? He, he's not going to give you a stone. Sorry. If you ask him for a fish, he's not going to give you a serpent. If you, being earthly, know how to give good gifts, how much more your Heavenly Father will give you the Holy Spirit? So you begin to, to realize the importance that even Jesus is putting on the Spirit of God not only that, but he was identifying that God is good. And that's basically what we teach now as, as we've been going around the world. And, and it's very interesting because whether you realize it or not, some of us have something in, in, in the past that the devil sown into our thought life to think that God is bad. And God is not bad. He is good. He is just. He is righteous. He is perfect. He is holy. Right? Because there's no partiality with God. He's all the way 100%. He's not half this, part that, 25% this, 25% that. No, he's 100%. So he's 100% light means there's zero darkness. He's 100% healer. Why do we know that? Because of Exodus fifteen twenty six, when he says, I am the God who heals you. Right? So if that's his nature, then it means it's always his nature, and, and that's what you can trust and rely on. Right? So let's, let's kind of home in on healing for a second. So um, as we've been traveling, we've been training trainers, we've been mentoring pastors, we've been um, walking with, with brothers and sisters in Christ to see the fullness of this. Because there's a lot of great teachings out there, but you have to be careful. You have to listen to what they're teaching because they'll present scripture and then they'll interject a lot of opinion. 
And they'll say, you need mm. to raise your voice. You need to lower your voice. You need to do this. You need that. It's like, wait, wait, wait. I thought you said it had nothing to do with me. Because they'll tell you it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with the spirit. I was like, then why is raising my voice going to get the spirit of God to move any faster? Yeah, is, is it of the of the, the realm of the soul or is it the realm of the, the spirit? It's one or the other. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of times you find that um, people are are trying to use their soul to manipulate God. And that's not what Jesus taught. It's nowhere there. What he taught is complete reliance on God because he is good. Right? So he, when he told them, go heal the sick, he didn't say go try to heal the sick. And so a lot of times what I've been correcting people on lately, and I was there at one time. Don't get me wrong. I was there at one time. But what I've been realizing and I've been teaching people is, is get yourself out of the way. Just as Jesus said, lay down your soul. Get, get your suke out of the way and let the Spirit of God work. And so we were in Brazil, and there was a pastor there, and um, an incredible pastor doing incredible things on the street with youth, seeing people delivered from drugs, and I mean all kinds of things. He's doing amazing work. And um, I, t- I told him, I was like, just like you can evangelize, you can heal the sick. So easy. I go, but you have to understand it's not you who does it. And he's like, okay. I go, do you want to learn? He said, yes, I want to learn. So... Um, after a meeting, I called him up, and we had prayer lines to each of everybody on our team. Um, and I had him pray for people. The first guy, he came up. He had a torn ligament in his ankle. His, the doctors said, we can't do surgery. You're basically condemned to pain in your ankle for the rest of your life. And um, so he came up for prayer. And so I told this gentleman, this pastor, I said, Pastor, I want you to just grab him by his hands. I go, you don't need to touch his ankle. Just grab him by his hands. And say, be healed in Jesus' name. And that's it. And guess what he did, David? He, uh, <laughs> he took he, him by he, his uh... hands. <laughs> <laughs> he took him by his hands and prayed for like two minutes. Two and a half minutes. And it was a, a beautiful religious prayer of him pleading with God for this person to be healed. And and I'll address something about that in a second. But when he was finished, I looked at him and I was I was frustrated because I was like, you didn't listen to anything I said, anything I taught on, right? Sure. And, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I just told him, I was like, let's see how you did. And he just looked at me and he's like, oh, okay. So I turned to the guy and said, how's your ankle? And he moved around. He goes, it might be a little bit better. I can't really tell the difference. I said, okay. I go, now you're going to let God heal this guy. So all you're going to say is be healed in Jesus' name, and that's it. So he agreed. He he did what I said, and the guy was instantly healed. He starts stomping on his foot, David. He starts jumping up and down. He's freaking out, instantly healed. The pastor's picking his jaw up off the ground. He looks at me. He goes, <laughs> what happened? And I told him, I was like, it's simply you got out of the way. Because when you get confidence in, in you that it's you doing something, then you're putting God on the side. You're putting his spirit on the side, and you're like, well, I can do this. I can make this happen. 
And this is what's scary, is if you actually look into mesmerism, okay, that's where telekinesis, telekinetics, um, or that is telekinesis, telepathy, um, hypnotism, all of these different other things come into play because it doesn't say that we ever lose power from our soul. That's right. It's just that we go under somebody else's dominion. Right? So when you're under the devil's dominion, does the devil have power? Yes, he does. Because we see that in Luke 10, 19. It says that he's given us authority over all of the dunamis, all of the power of the enemy to tread upon serpents and scorpions. Right? So it's Jesus never said that the enemy had no power. He just said, our power is greater. And, and I think, it. Anthony, that's one of the problems that we have uh, that we're facing that the Lord is trying to get us to overcome is that we are so confident in Satan's power, yet we don't know what, what lives inside of us. And it's made us very timid on, on one yeah. end of the camp or the other end of the camp. It's made us become confident in our own soul and not in, again, the right. Holy Spirit. Yeah, exactly. And, th- and that's what God really started pointing out. And I went back and I read the book by Watchman Nee, The Latent Power of the Soul. Excellent, that also excellent, helps. excellent book. That is an amazing book. Anthony, I'm so glad you read that. I, 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 I continue to pick that up and reread that all the time. It's an excellent book. It's, it's very short but very deep because you can go back and spend hours researching. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he doesn't write fluff. <laughs> no, it's a straight to the point. And um, so with that, it helped me begin to realize when I was operating – out of my soul instead of trusting him. And so we'd be in a healing line, right? And I'd see the first person healed, second person healed, third person healed, fourth person, nothing. I pray again, nothing. Pray again, nothing. And I have to step back and I'm learning to discipline myself, right? To stay at rest and at peace in him and confident in him. Because let's be honest. It wasn't us who bore the stripes on the whipping post. It wasn't us who hung on the cross. Yeah, amen. Right? He paid for it. So if he paid for it, he deserves the reward of his suffering. So I don't put any confidence in my flesh, in my own ability, in my own like talking or, or teaching or anything like that. I put my confidence in him in his in his spirit, in his nature. Right? So I I put together a manual, I didn't get to tell you yesterday, David, but I put together a manual called God is Healer. And I and I'm I created a webinar. You can go and you can watch from our Facebook page very easily or from our, our website at be the gospel dot com. And there you can get the free manual. We give it to you free because I want people to get graspless and understand this because the body of Christ really needs this. And there, I, I even talk about how Jesus healed them all 100% of the time. And I go through with the parallel Bible and I prove it over and over and over, almost 20 different times in the New Testament alone. And then I don't stop there. I go to the disciples as well. Anthony, let me then let me let's uh, let's tear down some some inaccurate traditions that have come up in the, in the last couple of minutes that we have, if you don't mind. Uh, 
let's talk about you say uh, Jesus healed 100% of the time. Let's go to everyone's favorite rebuttal, right? Not even Job or the thorn in the flesh with Paul, but Jesus himself, where he went into his own town, says he marveled at their unbelief, and he could therefore do no mighty work except lay hands upon a few sick and heal them. Go ahead. Go tear that down for me. Right. So um, there's there's actually a couple of places that it appears in the parallel, right? And so the the verse you quoted is the correct uh, verse that actually destroys the paradigm that Jesus couldn't heal anybody. Because people will say he couldn't heal, right? But if you read the context of it, you find out that the people of his town were offended with him. And they did not come to his meeting. But the few people who did, it says he laid hands on them. And they were healed. So in other words, it wasn't that Jesus was incapable of healing due to the, the recipient's unbelief. It's that they did not come to him for the healing. Exactly. So okay. think about Put it. You know, if I, offend, if I offend the whole town, are they going to come to my meeting? They might come to my meeting with pitchforks and, and, and torches to, you know, <laughs> <laughs> to give me out of town. <laughs> <laughs> Hey. But they're not going to be there to receive prayer. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's common sense. And, and, and a lot of it is, um, and we've talked about this uh, before, and, and uh, one of the things I enjoy about you uh, so much is your ability to teach um, by the Holy Spirit and the wisdom and getting into the Hebrew and the Greek. And, you know, I can't stress to you guys enough, uh, listeners, Body of Christ, how important it is to get into the original context and be real, be real Bereans with the word and study and take things in context and exercise proper, proper biblical um, judgment and, and biblical rules of interpretation. And it clears up so much of the confusion. And it, to that end real quick, uh, Anthony, I, I wrote it down because I want to forget it. When the Holy spirit was just speaking to me while you were sharing. Mm-hmm. And there were a couple of things that I just want to touch upon for the sake of people to minister to some people. Um, guys, when Anthony talked about earlier on, about uh, Matthew 7:21. That's the verse where Jesus says that in that day, many will come to you and do basically I'm paraphrasing guys, but many signs and wonders. And I will say, I never knew you. Okay. And so a lot of people said, look, there it is. We, we don't do perform signs and wonders. Look, that person is performing what appears to be miracles. And look, Jesus is going to say in that day, I never knew you. So, uh, you know, that's all counterfeit. And guys, please hear me. That's not what the Holy spirit is, is speaking. That is not with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not what's recorded. The key point to understand there in Matthew 7, 21, the principle that the Lord is telling us is that signs do not justify the root, the origin of the kingdom. You can have a kingdom that operates under power that's either coming from the God of this world or from the Holy Spirit. That's the principle and the point Jesus is teaching. Remember, he said, I never knew you. Guys, that, that verse, for those who have received Jesus as your Savior, that are allowing him to walk with you and work out your salvation, not works, you know, work out your salvation, it talks about meaning, meaning grow in your relationship with him, right? If we look at, and you guys, you know these verses, you can look them up anyway, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, Romans 3, 23, Romans 6, 23, Romans 10, 9, 1 John 5, 13, they all talk about how we know we're going to heaven, that we may know we have salvation. We receive the gospel with joy. We accept he is our atonement. 
He gives us the gift of righteousness, which restores communion and relationship with him. So if that's happened, guys, Jesus can never say, I never knew you. So anytime someone throws that verse out there that, that is used as a spirit of antichrist to make you feel, wow, am I really saved? You go back to your walk with the Lord, to what the scriptures say. How do we know salvation comes? The free gift is received how? Because in Matthew seven twenty one, Jesus didn't say you backslid. He said, I never knew you. These are people that never entered into receiving the gift of righteousness. So I, I just wanted to speak to that. There's, there's at least one person out there that needed to hear that. And the second one, uh, Anthony, goes back to what you're saying, how God is good. And that's something I echo all the time myself. Uh, praise the Lord. God is, if, if we can distill it down as God is good and God is love. And guys, one of the mm-hmm. reasons why what Anthony is sharing is grinding against your soul. And um, I just feel uh, almost an actual burden in the front part of my forehead, thinking of the body of Christ receiving this truth. And some of you are saying, why am I struggling with this? What is the block? Guys, what that is, is that is your soul, right? We're spirit beings. We receive the Holy Spirit into our spirit, guaranteeing our inheritance to come. We are spirit beings. We have a mind, a will, and our emotions. That's what Anthony was talking about earlier, suke, right, our soul. What we choose to accept and believe is truth, is going to come face-to-face with the gospel, face-to-face with what God's word says is truth. Anthony talked about earlier on that past experiences can distort or dictate our perception of things. So one of the areas, guys, in which the body of Christ needs to, we, we need to have the courage to step out in is that our perception and what was expressed to us as what is the definition and the expression of love and what is the definition and the expression within a relationship of what is good needs to be redefined. Because if we have a definition of love and we write that down and we take a picture of it in our mind's eye and we look and we say, okay, love looks like this. If we're doing that and reshaping what it means for God to be love, we've got it backwards. We, don't, we do not determine what his goodness is and what the definition of his love is based upon our past experiences and our upbringing. We do the reverse. We conform all things to the nature that he expressed in his word. So um, Mm -hmm. for those of you that are just feeling that, like, pull, like, I I can't get this, I can't receive this, uh, okay, God may be good, but, uh, X, Y, Z, well, you know, God says he's love, but. Guys, what that is, is that's our woundings contending with his nature. And that goes back to earlier where Anthony is saying, we have to make our soul submit to the spirit of God in us. We are crucified in Christ and we are risen in Christ. We are buried and hidden in him. So if our soul is dictating what we're going to believe, our soul is on the throne instead of being the servant to the Holy Spirit that's living in our spirit, man. So those are just two points I, I just wanted to, I, I wanted to clear up for some people in there. So, Anthony, before we, before we go, and we got to do this soon. We always, the time just flies by when you're teaching. Um, can you walk <laughs> through an example um, I know you've done it already, but just walk through then your approach. You meet someone at the gas station. You see someone uh, at the supermarket, um, the side of the street, wherever. 
and you see that they're in pain, discomfort, whether the Lord gives you, you know, um, a word that there's something inside going on or you visibly see it, whatever. Let's say we visibly see it, okay? And you are moved with compassion. You're just feeling the Lord's heart for this stranger and you're loving as the Lord loves through you, right? And you want to heal them. Mm -hmm. Go ahead and walk us through that. What does that look like? Um, it's, it's actually, it's super easy. And it's, it's a lot of times we make it more complicated in our, in our own minds, uh, because of the devil trying to talk us in obedience to, to God. Um, but like, for instance, I was at, um, Albertson's the other day or, um, the grocery store, should I say, and there was a lady and I, I saw her and she had a sleeve on her elbow because um, I was asking her a question. And and I just asked her, I was like, oh, what happened to your elbow? And she's like, well, I was moving some merchandise yesterday and, and it started hurting. And I was like, oh, I was like, well, how does it feel right now? She's like, well, it doesn't have any pain. I feel a lot better. I was like, well, can I just pray for, for it anyways? And she goes, oh, I know you. <laughs> and... Um, I didn't recognize her, but like six months, six months prior, um, she had hurt her back and I prayed for her and God healed her instantly right there in front of the store. And she ended up being a manager there now. And, um, she started praising God right there in front of the store. And so I always kind of just, you know, just kind of walk you through it. I just ask, Hey, you know, what's going on? And if they have like a broken arm or, or their hand in a sling or something like that, I always joke around about, you know, I'll, I'll use the Superman comment. Did you punch Superman or what happened? You know, um, especially if it's a female right, and right. she's with her, with her significant other, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, <laughs> so they don't think and, we're uh, too weird. You know, we pretend to be normal. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and so it was just, it, it just kind of, you have to, you can't be afraid to talk to people. And it doesn't mean you clam up and you, you don't, you struggle with your words or anything. You know what? Don't even worry about what you're going to say. The first couple of times you do it, you're probably going to say the wrong thing. It's probably going to come out wrong. So what? It's not about what you say. It's it's about oh, the obedience to his word. And as you Amen. lay hands on the sick, they will recover. And so once you get past, you know, maybe your third or fourth or your hundredth one, and you're tired of stumbling over your, your own words, then you, you realize they're people. And you just treat treat them and you love on them just like you would anybody else. And and so as you, you re- recognize that, you know, I don't pray some long religious prayer. I just I just say, well, can I pray for you? And they say, yeah, sure. No, I mean, like right now, can I pray for you? And they're like, well, yeah, I guess. You know, or if they're reluctant, I say, well, what do you got to lose? You got nothing to lose. I go, if, if you get healed, then you get healed. If you don't, then I look stupid, you know, <laughs> and they're like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense, you know. <laughs> and yeah, it's always a cool God one. Never, God never fails to heal them because he wants to show them that he's good. He, because when you understand that when people are getting healed, you're demonstrating what the kingdom looks like. There's no sickness in the kingdom of God, right? And so when you're demonstrating that to them, I'm telling you, I, w- I was in India, and there was this guy. I mean, we, we went through, we prayed for tons of people in the hospital wards. You can ask the team there in India. And we saw 
the hospital wards cleared out three days in a row, bro. Three days in a row. Hundreds of people every day, 100% healed. And it was simple, right? It wasn't complicated. It was very simple. I even showed them. I, don't, don't even be afraid to repeat the exact same prayer, right? Because we think, oh, it didn't work that time, so let me change up how I'm praying. No, it has nothing to do with your praying. It has everything to do with who you are in Christ in you, the expectation of glory. And that's something else real quick, uh, David, that people need to bypass. They think that be, if we're honest, they think that because Jesus moved into us that we diminish his power. We diminish who he is. We diminish his nature. And that's simply not true, right? Because if yeah. we go to the Old Testament, we can see that a sacrifice that was done to cleanse an altar, after anything touched that altar, it became clean. It became holy. And that was an animal with, with a physical altar. Imagine us with Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice, right? So he comes into us, and he makes us holy, Right? So you're not going to diminish his power. You're not going to do any of that. He's got plenty of power. He's got an untapped resource of power. Don't worry about that. Just be obedient. That's great, Anthony. And you touched upon another point that uh, I'm um, um, always very quick to want to encourage us all in is that to recognize the times and the, and the places of the different covenants and they were all moving toward the culmination you know, Colossians 2 and Hebrews 10 uh, say that the, that the old, the other covenants, and there were seven covenants, not just the, the law of Moses, but there were seven covenants, major covenants in the Old Testament mm-hmm. that all were shadows of things to come, but the reality is found in Christ. So if in the shadow, the blood made the altar holy, how much more are we forever cleansed and righteous and based upon the accomplished mm-hmm. work of the cross that's flowing through us? So that's, that's a great point, Anthony. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so um, kind of going back to that testimony, I come across this guy who had his leg amputated. Um, he was in a motorcycle accident, which is very common in in India. Um, and they chopped off a quarter of his leg. So it was about eight inches below his knee. And he was in extreme pain. The guy, I, I saw him, and they're cleaning his wound. So they're putting, you know, the, I don't know if it's alcohol or what, but they're putting the ointment all over him. They're scrubbing out the, the, the rocks and stuff with the wire brush. I mean, this guy's in pain and he's biting into a a rag and he's fighting back the pain, you know? And I walked over and I asked him if I could pray for him, that God would take away his pain. And he looked at me and and he's not talking because he's biting the rag and he just nods his head. Yes. So I pray for him. The, he pulls the rag out of his mouth and he starts kissing my hand. Mm. I mean, talk about very humility. You know, yeah. you feel completely humbled in that, in that moment. And so I asked him if he had any more pain. He says, it's all gone. They were still cleaning his leg. You know, pain was completely gone. And his friend was right there next to him. And he goes, he also, the doctors, they're, they're waiting to do surgery because his back's just completely a mess. They have this belt on him. Um, 
to hold his back together because his organs will just all, you know, go haywire. I was like, really? I was like, well, Jesus, he heals all of you. That's his nature because he loves you. And he gave, he gave himself for you. And so I laid hands on him again. And I said, you be healed from head to toe in Jesus' name. And he looks at me and he starts moving around. He undoes the belt right there in front of me. <laughs> and he's moving around and he's just looking at me. He breaks down crying. And he, he goes to try to kiss my hand again. I go, no, 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 I didn't do this. Jesus did this. And one, right then, one of the team members from India walked over who spoke his dialect because I was using a translator. And he led the guy to the Lord right then and there because he saw the goodness of God. It was absolutely amazing. That is just awesome. Uh, guys, guys, we do not heal based upon the depth of our intimacy. We do not heal based upon how little or much we've sinned on a particular day. We do not heal. Uh, our effectiveness of healing is not based upon the word of God. All these things are as works that earn the right to heal or move by the spirit. You cannot earn righteousness. Mm-hmm. It's a gift. And so what Anthony is sharing, those of you that are thinking, I can't do that. I'm not worthy of that. Guys, when we say that, we simply do not understand the cross. <laughs> We don't understand the cross. We haven't embraced that salvation is a byproduct of the cross. The cross gave us righteousness. Salvation is the result. You cannot say I've been saved by grace, but I don't have his righteousness. That's, that's been false teaching that pervaded the church, guys. So I want to encourage you with that. What Anthony is sharing, what he's talking about, you cannot earn it. It's coming into alignment with who you are and accepting it. And, and the humility yeah. is, is in accepting you are the righteousness of Christ. It's his work. It's him doing it, not our own X, mm-hmm. Y, Z. That's exactly right. Oh. And I, I can tell you, um, in Brazil, after we came out of a, a drug, drug rehabilitation center in um, Santo Antonio de Jesus, Bahia, Brazil, um, we saw so many people healed, blind eyes open. I mean, demons leaving people left and right because it was a drug rehab, right? And um, I walk outside, and I'm, I'm having this moment with God, and I can't help but just break down and start crying because you feel like, you know, I even told God, I was like, God, I don't deserve this. Everybody we laid hands on was healed. And I was like, I don't deserve this. I didn't pray enough. I didn't fast enough. I didn't study enough for this. And he rebuked me right then and there, just like a loving father would. You know, he goes, exactly. Has nothing to do with you and everything to do with him. Amen. And Amen. I was like, well, I guess oh, yeah. oh yes, yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, of course. Of course I do that, you know. <laughs> but you can see how it's... It, <laughs> you can see how it's 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 so simple. You know, the gospel is means the good news. Right? And if yeah, you go back and look what Jesus news. is teaching. Yeah. You go back and look what Jesus is teaching, he's like, God is good and God is for you. That's good news. And it's yeah. extremely simple. 
Anthony, we're about out of time, and this was so worth it that we went over time. we got to get you back on here real soon. Um, guys, Anthony's website, again, is bethegospel.com, and there is just a wealth of rich um, just information and solid biblical teaching. And you guys know I am not quick um, to recommend. There's a lot of... Um, you know, we're all we're one body and we're all working through things, but I'm very protective of you guys, as you know, and part of my responsibility is, is to instruct and guide and serve in spirit and in truth. I can, hesi- uh, without hesitation, um, tell you freely and openly that um, you would be blessed to, to get fed by Anthony. He is a blessing. He is a dear brother, and he has a lot in the body of Christ from him counting the cost and going through um, the unseen quiet things in his prayer closet that allows him to be able to serve and to share. So Anthony, thank you so much for coming on here again. I know that you're super busy and you've got a lot going on. And, and like many of us in this season, you know, myself included, we're kind of in those purification areas of the fire. So thank you for taking this evening out uh, from your family and let's do this again soon. Let's connect soon. Oh, definitely. Thank you. It's definitely been an honor and a privilege and, you know, my heart's desire is that the body of Christ would get this and start running with it. Amen. Amen. That time is coming. We know we talked about that. That time is definitely coming. Thank you, Anthony. We'll do this again. Dorothy, anything on your end before we, we, um, we close out? Uh, no. Um, that was an excellent teaching, Anthony. Thank you so much for that. Um <laughs> I'm sure the body will appreciate it. Oh, yeah. I Thank you. Well. Absolutely. This is an area of our understanding of our walk. We've talked about righteousness and identity and hit some of the stuff from different angles. And it's really, it's time, guys, that we just step out and just be the gospel, be the good news. We are the light and the salt, and it's not based upon us. He is a good, loving dad. Mm-hmm. So praise God. Anthony, we will hook up soon. I'll reach out to you soon. I got more things I want to talk to you about. But uh, Body of Christ, brothers and sisters, love you. Thank you for joining in with us, and uh, we look forward to having Anthony back on us again. Once again, it's bethegospel.com. Please, guys, avail yourself. Um, it's a season where, where the words and, and solid teaching are, are, are precious in this generation, and Anthony is a, is a just a wonderful, safe resource. Anthony, thank you so much. God bless your family. Love you guys, and we will catch up with you real soon. All right. Sounds like a plan. Thank you. Bless you. Okay. Have a great night. You too. Good night, Dorothy. You <laughs> this has been Zeal Fear House. I'm David Murray, and I'm joined with Dorothy Carruthers. We were hoping that you were blessed by this week's broadcast. Again, if this was your first time, please stop by my website at www.dwmurray.com. That's D-W-M-U-R-R-Y.com for additional teachings and insights. God bless you, and until next time, please dare to accept the fact that your heavenly dad loves you deeply. Mm-hmm.